0: If you need help, if you need someone to talk to you, the National Suicide Lifeline, we reach 1-800-273-8255. It's 1-800-273-TALK, 1-800-273-8255. Welcome or welcome back to the JKWD podcast, where we hope you are having an awesome day. We just had a great conversation with Brian Sellor, uh, which you'll hear in a little bit. Well, first, hey Kelvin, how you doing?
1: I'm doing wonderful, Mister Shear. Thank you very much. I will have you know the weather here today is beautiful and perfect. Here perfect. too, actually, and and that's that's wonderful. So, I have uh, I have nothing to complain about. I'm Great. loving it.
0: Great. Well, uh, as you'll hear. Uh, intermittently through the podcast, Kelvin is having his siding redone. Uh, This has been a long time coming. I I think, I think we've mentioned on a few podcasts in the last six months that the siding is blowing up (laughs) Um, and and they're fixing that. They're just fixing it very loudly
1: (laughs) and slowly. Yeah. 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 So,
0: So you may hear that intermittently, but it shouldn't get in the way of the conversation
1: here. It, it, uh, luckily, I moved away from the room they were actually banging on at the time. Which, yeah, uh, true. You you did make that good transition.
0: <laughs> oh
1: my goodness. So how how are you, sir?
0: I'm good. You know, I I got back to running, and yeah, I ran four miles this morning before before we got on. I, you know, four miles, got back in time to have a decent breakfast and, and take the dog out. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you commented that I was, I was looking like it didn't bother me. And I'm like, well, no, no, I'm not bothered because I, because I got the run. (laughs) (laughs) in
1: Gotcha.
0: I I flashed back to the run a couple of times during, during our conversation Mm -hmm. because you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not technically in my training season yet for, mm-hmm. you know, for my races. And so I don't need to hit distance. You know, I, I don't need to hit time. I just, I went out my door this morning. I said, I'm going to run four miles mm-hmm. and, you know, right around two miles. I was like, you know, I got, I could just run home now. And I didn't, I I kept going for for four and my third mile was so slow. It was like my, my first, my second and my fourth mile, we're all within five seconds of each other. Oh wow! But um, the uh, the uh, the uh, third mile was 30 seconds slower than my other slow mile, <laughs> my other slowest mile. So you know, the, you could tell that I was just like, I guess we're done here. But I decided mm-hmm. not to be done. And you know, we talked a little bit about going through the hard stuff and just you know turning your brain around and little victories and, and you, we got through it. And, yeah, I know that throughout the, the course of, this, of the five years that we've been doing this podcast, I, I often use running as, as a metaphor or comparison, but it's where I spend a lot of my time and my thought and my effort. <laughs> yeah. Because mm-hmm. it is effort it's not something I'm good at at, at this point I'm probably effort. not gonna get good at it uh you, yeah. but that doesn't matter to, to me uh, you know, it, it if you
1: ever hear me. about and me running you run the other sure I'm okay
0: well that yeah. or run the other direction just a little faster than <laughs> <you>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like that don't take time to assess just just run. <laughs> <laughs> And remember, you don't have to be the fastest guy. You just have to be not the slowest.
1: (laughs) That is absolutely correct.
0: Uh, (laughs) But we had a nice, nice conversation with Brian today. We talked about small victories. We talked about the masks we wear. We talked about being of service to others yeah, we talked about getting the help you need, recognizing the help you need,
1: and and a lot more. We, we did a it's just a conversation. Did, you get, you know, I think this podcast is is one where we talked less in the beginning uh, than yeah. I think Brian went on like ever a before cause we, we right yeah on. we just asked him, you just asked him to yeah. tell his story and we just sat here yeah. with Miles and he, on, he did going like, yeah wow. he, he went and it's a. Uh,
0: yeah, it, it's a painful story, but it helped him get where where he is, so that he can be of service to others who who need him. And so, you know, while I wouldn't wish his, I wouldn't wish that life on anybody, and you for who he is, I'm glad he went through it. I'm glad he he pushed through it and lived through it too, which you
1: know was not always a, a sure thing. And it's easier for us, since he's glad he went through it because it would not right. kept him in the end. So, so that's uh, that was that's a, It's a good it's a good listen. I gotta say.
0: Yeah, so I'm gonna shut up now and burn and play some music. And on the other side of that, you will hear our conversation with Brian. Guest, where we talk about better and teach you how to dominate your world. Ready? here we go Welcome normally we have people start off by by telling us their mission and telling us why it's their mission but I think um, your story is so intricately tied up in your mission that maybe you should start with it with your story and then evolve that into your mission okay.
2: All right. Uh, so the story is one that's developed over the last 46 years. Really? Uh, I was, uh, born and raised for the most part by a single mother. Uh, my mom had to work her butt off to put food on the table and, and do all the things that that parents need to do for their kids, uh, around the age of, of eight is, uh, when she got into a serious relationship with another, uh, uh with a man and, and it turned out that he had come from, I think he had come from pretty rough background as well. So he was a pretty rough and tough guy and uh, he, he didn't sugarcoat much. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't work well when dealing with small children. And as I got older, it got a little worse. And so there was a lot of emotional abuse. And when I say emotional abuse... I was, I mean, I'm, I'm a big guy. I've always been a big guy. I was a big kid and I would get berated for eating the last slice of bologna and I'd be called a pig or fat, um, uh, be called lazy, stupid, just all kinds of just from, from the ages of about nine years old to the age of 16, it was a, I didn't know what I was going to get when I came home keep my mind, keep in mind, my mother's working this whole time. She, you know, she's out busting her butt, doing the best she can. And so a lot of times I was left home alone with, uh, with, with this individual. Uh, there was some physical abuse as well, but that wasn't uh, until I got older and, and, and it got to the point, I remember some of the, the, the trauma. I remember, I remember being dragged out into the front yard and, and dared to throw a punch. Like, you know, he would, He's like, hey, throw throw a punch. I dare you throw a punch. Be a man. Punch me. Uh, just so he would have an excuse to, to retaliate against me. So there was a lot of years, this, this, this emotional abuse, sometimes physical abuse. Um, I was broken down to the point where the insecurities and fear that I held just, I mean, they, they sabotaged me in so many ways. When I was 16, got a little bit bigger, got a little bit older, started working and making my own money. I got the hell out of there. I said, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I'm not putting up with this anymore. And so I moved out of my mother's house when I was 16. And actually, a buddy of mine uh, and me, we took off and went down to Florida. I had no intentions of coming back from Florida. Keep in mind, I live in Illinois. So I, I went down to Florida. I said, I'm never going back. I did come back because I wanted to finish high school. And, um, Plus, I ran out of money, <laughs> so that doesn't doesn't help uh, when you're broke. But I came back, but I stayed on my own. And what followed those years, so for the remainder of my teen years into my twenties, there was, as I look back and reflect now, I know I suffered from a a version of PTSD. Uh, just you know, it, it, there was also insecurities, fears, and depression that set in. But I ran from all those emotions. I didn't want to feel those emotions. I didn't want to be labeled by those emotions. So I tried to mask uh, that that pain as best I could. And what that started out with is uh, when I turned 17, 18, I s- started running around with a with a crew on the streets. And, you know, we were committing crimes and getting in the fights. And we were just doing all this stuff that we shouldn't have been doing. And then I got arrested <laughs> and I and uh, I didn't do any time in jail, luckily, but it was enough to get me thinking, OK, I can't I can't keep doing what I'm doing. I can't live like I'm living. And actually, shortly after that, a couple of the guys that I ran with, they ended up getting arrested and sent to prison for robbery. So I said, I'm going to I'm going to stop being this wild child. I'm going to stop hanging around with. Uh, you know the street element, and I'm I, I need to get a job. I need to work. I need to think about a family. And so, uh, as I got into my 20s, I rushed into a relationship with a woman that that had her stuff together. Her parents were still married. She, you know, every she had the American dream: the house, the white picket fence. And I so I jumped into that relationship, but. As with any relationship you start running into some some issues and problems and instead of dealing with that my immediate reaction was to seek validation from somebody else which uh, was other women and so as you can imagine that didn't play out too well i i did end up getting married to that woman and we had two kids and i settled down for a while and and i just worked as i was working probably two or three jobs for a while and so that was enough to keep me preoccupied. Uh, but then as we got married and the kids got a little older and life started to slow down a little bit, well, not really slow down, but uh, it started to level out a little bit. I returned to that. I, I felt the depression. I felt the anxiety. And so I ran from it and I sought validation through other women. And uh, so that that ended up, my marriage eventually dissolved. And this was when I was well into my, my forties. And I remember waking up and I would sit on the edge of my bed and I keep in mind, I had a good paying full-time job, but I'd sit on the edge of my bed in the mornings and try to come up with any excuse, any reason to call in sick. You know, how am I feeling today? Do I feel under the weather? Do I have a headache? You know, I'm sitting here trying to talk myself into staying in bed. And, um, and then one day, you know, I woke up, I was going through my regular sit on the edge of the bed and woe is me, pity party, and a voice, and I'm not saying it from a paranormal aspect, but this voice in my head said, hey, dummy, you need, you know, there's a lot of successful people in this world that, um, you know, that they're living the lives that they, they dream and you are sitting here on the edge of your bed whining about having to get up and go to work and you work in the same 24-hour window as everybody else so what's the difference and that was when i finally that was my first the first time in my life where i said okay i need to figure this out and so i started seeking help <clears throat> and my divorce, uh, I, my marriage fell apart shortly after that we got divorced And I said, okay, I need to fix myself because validation from other people. I can't live vicariously through somebody else's opinion of me. I need to learn to love myself. And that's when I really got into healing with counseling, coaching, um, you know, whatever I could do to try to figure out what was going on in my mind. And once I eliminated all the distractions, all all the elements that I was preoccupying my life with, well, that opened the door for depression and anxiety to hit hard. And when I was in uh, 2019, so just a couple years ago, I started having suicidal ideations. And I was thinking about suicide. And I was actually going down into the basement. I lived in a two-story town home and I, I'd go down in the basement and I'd start looking for places where could I hang a rope? You know, could would this hold my weight? And and then I scared myself because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm thinking about killing myself. And I got I got two teenage boys like I can't do this. So instead of seeking help for it, I said, I'll just work. You know, I'll go back to what I know. I can work, work, work. And I was working 16 hour days uh, between a couple different jobs. And then after about a year that my body gave out like I, it was exhausted, it was done. And once again, once I opened up that door and I eliminated the distractions, here came the depression and anxiety again. And on March 5th of 2020, I had a dentist appointment mm-hmm. and um, and I ran, I was driving to the home from the dentist. And it was about a 30 minute drive. And uh, I found myself saying, you know, it'd be very easy just to unbuckle my seatbelt, speed up and hit one of these viaducts, you know, the big concrete um, mm-hmm. surroundings of bridge. And so I unbuckled my seatbelt, I sped up, I started to let the wheel creep over a little bit. And then I would say probably just a few, maybe 20 seconds before impact, I I broke down emotionally, I stopped, I didn't do it, obviously, I'm here talking to you. And I said, I got to go get help, but I didn't know where to get help. So I just showed up at the hospital, a complete mess. I mean, here's this, you know, big, uh, bearded man coming in just weeping and crying and pacing and and telling them I'm going crazy. Somebody needs to help me. And I, that was when I finally, finally, after all these years, I finally got help to address the depression and the anxiety. And I, I talked to a crisis counselor while I was in the hospital and she said, you know, I think you need to be hospitalized, but I want it to be your choice. And Despite the fear of stigma, despite the fear of being how people would perceive me, I said, "I'll do this. I'll I'll find, I'll I'll hospitalize myself." And so I voluntarily went in. And for anybody that's never been to a mental health facility or hospital, I mean, essentially you're locked, right? They protect you from yourself. So you're on a shared floor with other people that are going through the same things, but you're locked in. You can't you can't freely leave. You can't close your bedroom door. You got to leave it open. They check on you every 15 minutes, things like that. But that was when I finally, in that moment, being locked up. And as I started to get to know the people around me, I was like, I'm not alone. Like all these years, I thought I was alone. Like I I was afraid to tell anybody what I was going through because of what they would think of me. And I was a people pleaser. I've always been a people pleaser and I never wanted to let anybody down. But it was in that moment of brokenness that I could and then see everybody else's brokenness. Cause there's people that were addicted to drugs, um, people that had attempted actually try survived a suicide attempt. I remember one, uh, one young girl, she's probably not much more than 18. She would stand in the doorway and she would shake cause she was afraid to come out. And, and as I started seeing this, I'm like, suddenly my problems felt really small. And, and I'm like, I'm looking at this the wrong way. This isn't a curse. This isn't a, this suffering, there's a purpose to this. And that's when I started planting the seeds that I need to help. I need to get out. I need to do something for people that are in the same situation as me Mm -hmm. that, you know, for whatever reason, they're not getting the right help. Maybe they're trying to distract. They're trying to, you know, chase off the depression, anxiety, but it doesn't go away. It's there until you finally stand up to it, and and that's when I developed this mission that I'm like, you know, I've got to heal. I've obviously I got to get to a better place, but once I get there, and once you know, once I can get back to being myself, I need to focus less on what's happening to me and focus more on what I could do with that to help others. And that's what led me to, I have a currently have a podcast as well as a a coaching business and uh, some other things that, that I've, uh, other uh, creativity, uh, creative uh, activities that I've got going on to, to, to help that. But, um, you know, really just people, raw vulnerability is I think what saved my life. Finally, coming forth and saying, you know what? It is what it is. I'm not going to be afraid to share my story. I'm not going to be afraid to tell my story because through my story, I can help someone else.
0: I want to um, go back just to one, one earlier point in your life uh, and and ask you about it. If you have any solid memories of it, there was a time you said you, you were, you're running around, uh, you know, you got arrested Mm -hmm. and you decided that you couldn't keep doing that. And there are plenty of people who decide they can keep doing that. Yeah. What was it in you at that point? Is that the same voice that says, dude, get off your bed and go to, go to work is, is what, what is that, that, said this, whatever this is, this isn't right. Let's do that instead. So for me,
2: the the whole reason I I started hanging around the group of guys that I was hanging around with is because I wanted to feel accepted because of the, the emotional abuse that I suffered as a kid and a young teenager. And I developed these insecurities. So I was very introverted. I didn't know how to talk to people. And I maybe had and we moved a lot. So that didn't help. Right. So I'm, I I went to three different high schools. I went to three different elementary grade school. So I never got to make friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd make a friend and then we'd move. And and I was lucky to make one friend. And it was usually that person coming up to me saying, hey, how are you? Because I was like I was super scared, uh, had really bad social anxiety. But so I started hanging around with these guys because they accepted me. They accepted me for who I was. And um, but we, they were doing bad things. And for me, what what was the final straw is when I got so I I became the guy. I was kind of like the leader, right? I became the leader of the pack to where if if one of them was in trouble, I stood up to help. And and we 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 got in a lot of fights and different things, you know, and um, and I was always the one that kind of took the lead on that. And then when I got arrested. Nobody, nobody was there. Like here, I am sitting, getting ready to be put into a cage, and I can't get a hold of anybody or the people I can get hold of. It's like, hey, I need somebody to come bail me out. It's only a hundred bucks. Oh, sorry, man, I ain't got any money. And how I finally got out. I mean, I finally got a hold of a really good friend of mine uh, that, I, that I met when I was fourteen, and we've. He's still my best friend today, even though we don't really see each other very often. But I called him. I'm like, hey, I'm in a jam can you get a hundred bucks the other and come bail me out? And so he did. And that was the, that was the day I said, you know what? These guys don't care about me. They care. They only care about me when I'm p- protecting them or I'm, I'm doing something for them. But when it comes down to me, they're nowhere to be found. And that was the day that I said, you know, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not playing this game anymore. And, and that was my reason for, Getting
0: out of that lifestyle, and does that equate at all with where you were at when you were trying not to go to work? I mean, I know, you know that yeah, you know, that's right. Where is you yeah, know, in the War of Art, Stephen Pressfield talks about you know, resistance, and mm-hmm. it takes you know, many forms. Whether it's you know, let's you know, whether it's you know something like oh, well, the dishes need washing again, you know, they're not quite scrubbed right. right. Or, uh, or, you know, I, I should go, I should go walk the dog again. Or uh, man, I'm just not feeling exactly right. Is that kind of all, all hooked in together? Like not having, not having the, that crew around you, that support around you from, yeah, at this point it doesn't have to be from friends, you know, maybe from coworkers and, and, you know, not building those relationships.
2: Yeah, certainly it does play into that because once I got out of, you know, once I I grew up and I decided, okay, I need to to start working and thinking about my future and I need to stop running around on the streets. Um, And that's what I did. I went to work and I made money, but I still had, I was still very insecure. I still had social anxiety. Funny thing is I've had jobs where I was a manager and I could manage people well and I could be an assertive manager and I did my job well but when it came to personal relationships really what i what i've come to discover now where i'm at in my life is it was a it was all fear based fear of being rejected fear of failure fear of not being accepted and and so i kept my distance I, and i you know i really didn't i got together with uh, the woman that ended up becoming my wife We started dating when I was eight. I started dating when I was 18 because we started dating when I was kind of running around with the the crew. And then um, I got out of that lifestyle by 21. Her and I moved in together. We got married uh, when I hit my late 20s and then we started a family. And this whole time, this is going on. I really had no friends. Um, I would work, I would come home, I would just go do my own thing uh, the, the relationship I was in and even the marriage, we, we were very distant in the house. And I think there was some, because of the, because of my mindset and, and I really had a victim mentality. So anytime something bad happened, I was like, you know, let's start the pity party. Let's start the woe is me. Uh, poor, poor Brian's got to go work three jobs to, to, you know, so his kids have a good future, uh, you know, it was, it, it's all just a culminate and, it, and it's even gotten, it just, it was like a snowball. If you push a snowball down a, a mountain, right? It gets big, bigger and bigger and bigger and pretty soon you have an avalanche. And so all of those moments in my life were leading up to that day where I was, you know, seconds away from potentially ending my life. And so, yeah, the, the, the same voice, was talking to me at 40 years old that, that had been talking to me all throughout my life. The, the, the biggest difference is I, by the time I was 40, I was running out of distractions. Like I, Mm -hmm. I can't keep hiding from this. And, and that's when it really started to take hold and, and, and grow
1: bigger. So I'm I'm in a better area here and I, hopefully you don't hear, Incredible demolition going on behind me, <laughs> but um, that's a that's a powerful story. That's a powerful story. Most people, I mean, I know a lot of people who are not in the exact same place you were because that's a tough word, exact, right? Yeah. But people who who actually face much smaller obstacles or challenges in their life who can't seem to get past. Those little ones, and the thing that you have overcome, um, and, and I don't know, but have you overcome it, or you 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 manage it? You what what phraseology would you use to describe? I would say, I mean, to date,
2: even though I feel great, I wake up, I have a positive mental attitude, I'm ready to attack the day, I'm I'm going after my dreams. There is still. That that little seed that's planted, it's still there. And, and I think it's you're, you're kind of like a gardener, right? You keep picking the weeds out of the garden. The weeds are going to keep popping up. As long as there's good soil and it's fertile, those weeds are going to pop up. You've just got to stay ahead of it. you got to manage those weeds, whether it's big or small. And so it's it's we never, in my opinion, we never stop growing. And you, that's So kind of going back a little bit, when I had that that coming to Jesus moment, as I called it, when I was 40, and this voice said, hey, man, you need to, you know, why are you sitting here like this? And, and there's people out in this world that have achieved things. That's when I started saying, okay, I got to figure out what's going on. And one of my at first of my focus was on money. I thought money was going to secure all my problems, right? This depression, this depression, this anxiety, this lack of, uh, quality of life, you know, feeling like I had a quality of life. I said, money's going to take care of all that, but money doesn't take care of any of that. I've been, I've been at the top of the mountain. I've been, at, you know, and I've been in the bottom of the mountain with money and, uh, it, it, you know your mental game is 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 going to be whatever it is, whether you're high or low on the financial scale. What I come to find is it was fear. Everything, when when if you're not accomplishing something, if you're can't if you can't get over an obstacle in your life, th- there's there's a element of fear in there that that fear is is greater than y- your your desire to heal or your desire to. Uh, change. And and so you got to, fear is a bully, right? And you've got to stand up to that bully. And once you do it, it's amazing what happens. So for me, when I turned 40, I started studying it. And I, when I finally came to realize that it's not money, it is purpose. It is passion. It is people. Um, I overcame my, I had a huge fear of public speaking. And so I said, I'm going to tackle this first. This is right up at the top of my list. So I, I joined a, a, a an organization that helps with with public speaking and I discovered man I I like this I like getting mm-hmm. up in front of people and talking mm-hmm. and once so once I stood up to that bully it 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 got small you know he he took a back seat all of a sudden it was like okay you don't have this power over me and then I said okay well what other areas of my life do I need to you know look at and 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 grow in and so once I'd find that obstacle, I'd find that challenge. Okay, why is it a challenge? And you've got to go back in your history to dig out the reason. But once you understand why you're stuck, then you can start taking the steps to to overcome. And another thing, as I say, where, where I went off uh, once I overcame uh, my fear of public speaking, I said, mm-hmm. "Well, what's?" I always had a, a, as a child. I always wanted to be a boxer. So I joined a gym and I started training as a boxer. I started training when I was 42 years old, right? I started training as a boxer. And what I found in that gym, I never went on to fight professionally or even amateurly. um, But what I found was a sense of community because I got into that gym and I realized everybody was there not only to work on themselves, but to help others work on themselves. Mm -hmm. And within six months, I started coaching some of those folks and the newer folks coming in on boxing. And so it's like, wow, okay, this is a whole new dynamic. I've got a supporting cast around me. People that don't care, you know, I mean, they, they care about you, but your history doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's about showing up
1: every day and, and doing the hard things, if that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, was, your, was your speaking organization Toastmasters? Yes, it was, actually. Oh, good. Toastmaster.
2: Okay, yeah, brother toastmaster. Got, got yeah. it going
1: on. <laughs> Excellent. I um, you know, once you once you're past the fear, and and I don't know if you ever past the fear, you're just not letting it master you. But right. Um, um, after you did all that, at what point did you decide that you wanted to be? A life coach. I was looking at your your website a little bit. More mm-hmm. um, and, and, and how did you go about starting that for you and have the confidence to do that?
2: I knew, I would say once I got into boxing, so at the age of 42, that is when I realized I wanted to help people. I didn't know what that looked like at the time. I just knew I wanted to help people. And, and then as I got into speaking, well, what I did is I had a mentor that said, speak from your heart. If you speak from your heart, you don't have to worry about memorizing your whole talk. You, you just speak mm-hmm. from your heart. And that was super scary. Cause I'm like, if I speak from my heart, I got to talk about the abuse I, I dealt with as a kid. I got to, I got to talk about the crime I committed and, you know, was arrested for, but I said, you know what? who cares, you know, cause Toastmasters, you know, kind of give them a plug is you join a club. Well, it's a safe space, right? You're supposed to be able to uh, you're there to develop. And so I felt like my story, I was safe to tell my story there. And so I got real vulnerable and, and I told my story and I told, you know, I told it in different variations to different talks. And then pretty soon I found other people saying, Hey, your story, we want to hear more of this. And, I realized that there's power and vulnerability. And so that, at that point in time, between the power of community in my boxing gym and the, and the power of vulnerability that I had learned in my speaking, when I put those two together, it's like, okay, we can change the world. I mean, you know, maybe one person at a time, but if we can help somebody be unapologetically vulnerable and surround themselves with the right, People that are going to help them foster the right mindset, well, you know, great things are going to happen. Uh, it wasn't until January of this year, because 2020 was the year, I mean, depression hit me, it hit me hard. And even after I got out of the hospital, um, I still struggled. Like I, I still had all the, you know, I, 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 sleeping all day, up all night, sitting at three in the morning, you know, um, contemplating my life and what, you know, the choices I've made. But, um, and of course there's, you know, there's, I'm not a medical doctor, so I, I don't want to speak to that point, but for me, medicines helped, help regulate some of those, those, the uh, those brain waves, you know, the chemicals help balance it out in the brain a little bit. But in, in January of this year, or really late 2020, I said, you know what, I've, I, this, this depression is not, a curse. It's a blessing. And so every day I'd wake up and, you know, I felt like crap and I didn't want to move. I'm like, how could I make today better than yesterday? How could I make myself better today than I did yesterday? And that is what started the snowball for me to heal and recover. And then, you know, by 2021, January 1st, I was getting up and I'm ready to go attack the day because now I had a sense of purpose. I knew that my story, I went through what I went through because somebody out there needs to, they they feel alone and they're dealing with depression and they're thinking about killing themselves and they feel alone. They need to hear my voice or someone else's story to say, Hey, I've been there. You're not alone. It's going to get better. Trust me, but you've got to take the right steps to get, you know, to make it better. And so that was really when I decided I'm going to take, I'm going to become a coach and there was no more of this imposter, right? You know, sometimes earlier on, I'd feel like an imposter, especially in the boxing gym, six months, I'm training Nelson. I'm being asked to help train other people. Who am I? I've been boxing for six months. You know, well, there's that fear again, right? Fear of failure. Once I said, who cares? I know how to, you know, throw pads and, and, and I know the, 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 the numbers to call out for them to, you know, jab, cross hooks, all that. I know this, let me just do it. I'm not an imposter. I mean, I could just, I'll do the best I can with what I got. And 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 that's for me that was the the change. That was the defining moment when I finally said, "You know what? Just start where you are. Do what you can do and grow. Keep growing and getting better."
1: That's it. That's a <clears throat> that's a big lesson. That's a yeah. big lesson for people to learn because it can uh, feel overwhelming mm-hmm. just to to step out a little bit. So, so uh, yeah. So, so how are you doing now? So you got your, 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 your active coaching, your imposter yep. syndrome is gone. And, yep. and how are you relating to the world? Uh,
2: so How's everything's going, you
1: <laughs> yeah, everything's going well.
2: Um, you know, I, I felt, I felt really good this this year twenty twenty one I felt really uh, felt really positive and energetic and 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 motivated to take on the world. The um, I started a podcast. Uh, I started that actually while I was still going through the depression, uh, and that was one of those deals where it's like you know I couldn't find that voice out there to tell me it's okay to not mm-hmm. be okay. I used to hate that saying. I had a girlfriend um, that she she's like. It, it's okay not to be okay. And I'm like, no, it's not like you gotta be. But then when I went through depression, I'm like, okay, it is okay not to be okay. You know, as long as you're taking the steps to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I started the podcast because I just couldn't find that voice of comfort. And so originally it was just going to be me talking, but that has now turned into um, stories. I, I bring other people on to tell their stories, what they went through how they overcame it, where they're at today. So much like I'm doing on this show that, you know, this, that, that's, that's what my show is dedicated for. Um, and then the coaching is kind of just a, a sidebar to that. And, 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 but everything is going really well. I've been getting a lot of great feedback. Um, you know, pe- people are, it's, it's a slow process, right? You know, you can only change, you know, one person at a time on, on most occasions, but, um, you know, there's 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 a lot of I think there's a lot of healing going on uh, around not only my coaching but the podcast as well and the writing I, I write as well so
1: awesome Joss did you have anything you wanted to uh,
0: how how do you feel now helping other people is that is that boosting you at all in your
2: Yeah, no, it it definitely does. You know, as humans, we want to feel loved, we want to feel accepted, and we want to feel like we're serving a higher purpose, higher calling. And for me, a life of service, I mean, it is amazing what doing, living your life. To help others, when you when you have that mindset, you wake up every day. It's like a challenge. You wake up and it's like, okay, I got to help somebody today, um, if they want my help. You know, obviously you can't force that on anybody. Uh, well, I I did a little bit. I was helping um, with a soup kitchen here here in, in my town, and and so they 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 feed the homeless at lunch and dinner time, and and so I was helping out. Uh, this was back in 2020 when when. Uh, You know, all the doctors, you know, I'm all meted up and they're like, you need to get out of the house. So, okay, let me let me volunteer. So I've always been I've always loved being in service of others because I've coached youth sports for years and years and years, which is funny because you think somebody that there was like two personas. There was the depressed, sad, lonely feel like a failure Brian and then there was this mask I would put on and I'd be coaching you know basketball or you know baseball or whatever the case may be um but I always loved that aspect of helping someone else and so when I was helping out with the soup kitchen and these homeless folks would come up and I'd have conversations with them and they would laugh and you I'm like man you live on the streets and you're in a Great mood, and they're like, you know, hey, just kind of let it go. I mean, every day I try to get a little bit better. And I was just amazed that that folks that that went through something like that, they they still had this sense of um, humor and, and sense of uh, positivity about them. And so, yeah, it's it's just giving, waking up every day knowing that I have an opportunity, at least have an opportunity to help somebody. Is is motivation, and that's what really drives me and gets me excited.
0: The ability to put on those masks that you talked about is, you know, is so important sometimes, but it, it can be so harmful. You, mm-hmm. you, know, you talk about working sixteen hour days. Well, there's sixteen hour days that you get to wear a mask and you don't have to, you don't have to feel how you feel because that's not what you want, and then. Yeah, you, know, you you get home alone, and now you have to. Now you understand how you how you feel, and you don't want to feel that way. So you just want another way to put that mask on. So you know, ripping that off, you know, you know, being able to rip that off now has got to be a has got to be huge for you. And it, and it's great that you managed to, you know, get out of the house and and serve the way you did last year. This is for so many people. You know, twenty twenty was a was a year where you know they had to live with themselves and they had to live with right. their families the way they are and you know, they just could not you know i can't imagine you're know, getting out of the hospital right as everything shut down because <laughs> yeah. i know that we shut down here in you know, in eastern georgia uh right after saint or right at saint patrick's day so you know, that was right yeah that, yeah that was right when you were going into the hospital
2: yeah, I say I got out of the hospital on, I went in a mace or on March 2nd. I think I got out on March 9th and in my area, everything shut down on March 15th. <laughs> so it was like, boom, boom, boom. And yeah, that was hard because when you're stuck alone <laughs> and, and you've got to be in your own thoughts, it's, it's tough. And that was but, the
0: worst place for you at yeah. that point, right? Yeah.
2: But I learned to celebrate small victories because I I remember a time in 2020 where just getting up and taking a shower was a huge thing for me. And so I'd get up and I made it my goal today. I'm just going to take a shower before 9 p.m. And if I did it, hey, that's a victory I celebrated. Right. You know, I celebrated that small little victory Um, and then I just kept adding to it, making it bigger, challenging myself more and more
1: that's a big principle celebrating small victories. Um, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a coach also. And sometimes people get tired of it all the time. Positive guy, mm-hmm. you know, I've got one, one person just like, okay, I don't need a positive guy today. I just want, <laughs> right? <laughs> just listen to what I've got to say. And I'm like, okay, we'll work that out for you. But, uh um, it's got to end, but by the same tokens over the course of our relationship. Um, when she does finally admit something's positive, she likes to like come and call her. Okay, you're my positive guy, so I've got to let you know this happened. <laughs> I counted that as a win. Um, there's, we've had a lot, a lot of conversation on on taking your own life. We've had a couple of guests to talk about taking your own life. What advice do you have for people who will hear your voice right now if they're considering taking their own money?
2: If, if that's even a thought and and if it's and I'm just saying if it's just it could just be a thought like I, whether you've actually scouted out how you would do it I mean if you just in your mind if you have the inkling that you'd be better off um, gone I would say stop. Number one, ask for help. Be willing to ask for help. I know that's very, very hard for people. Um, You know, talk to, there's obviously, you know, suicide hotlines, crisis hotlines. Talk to a doctor, talk to a coach, talk to a, a psychologist. Ask for help when I, that's where it started for me. I, there just came a day where I finally said, I've got to ask for help. You know, that was, and it happened to be the day where I almost took my own life, but I stopped, I paused and it's like, okay, let me go ask for help today. And if it doesn't get better, then I'll revisit this, you know, this (laughs) idea, you know, and, but it got better, but ask for help. Number one, number two, know that you're not alone when i went into the hospital i was surrounded i mean that's everybody there is struggling and hearing their stories and being able to offer even if it was just a shoulder to cry on or i remember there was a couple uh, times where you know uh, somebody's having a a breakdown it's like hey i don't know if you know if this may or may not work but you want to just go over here and sit on the couch and pray like you know maybe it'll work maybe not i mean what else do we have to lose And, and, but so just knowing there was somebody there um, to either care about me or me to care about them. So you're not alone. Uh, I know you feel alone. You know, when, when it gets to that point of suicide, you don't, for me, it was like, there's, I have no other solution. I'm in this by myself, but that's not the case. Uh, Not everybody, you know, is going to reach out to you and, and check on you every day. That's why it's important to find your, your people, right. Who, who that is. So, stop. Take a breath. Give it. Get. Ask for help before you make any irrational decisions. Uh, Know that you're not alone, and then be willing to to be completely vulnerable to share whatever you need to share. Uh, You know, whether it's physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, domestic violence. Be willing to talk about that. Um, It's amazing what happens. What what happens to the mind once you get that story out. The first time I got really vulnerable and I told my story, the weight that was taken off of my shoulders was massive. It was like, whew, wow, like that was, I feel different, you know? And, and and all I had to do was just be completely vulnerable. Um, suicide- is n- Keep in mind, I had two teenage boys. <laughs> I have two teenage mm-hmm. boys. They're still teenage boys. Okay. Um, I was... As I cleared my head and I think about it, I mean, what would their life be like had I gone through with it? Would they have recovered from it? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, they may have gone down the same road. Um, what about the people, you know, that do care about me? That, you know, they... Man, I... I can't imagine what they'd be thinking because, you know, what's going to come to their mind. First thing is what could I have done differently? (laughs) And well, you know, and and they're going to, they're going to live with that guilt. And, and so there's, there is a way out and there is a way to heal and there's plenty of people to contact to to help that. Heck, I would say, reach out to me. I'm not going to charge you a penny or anything like that. Just reach out to me if you need to, and I'll be more than happy to, talk with you about it because it's just oh man it's it's that is a to be at that point in your life is just such a lonely scary feeling and it, it's hard but you know it, it it's there is a there is a, a rainbow right at the at the end of it awesome
0: I want to transition us out of this for a sec. Cause you said, sure. you said three words that uh, Kelvin says a lot and, and I was surprised that he didn't immediately uh, <laughs> throw up his arms. Uh, but, but you said the words positive mental attitude and, and that's a, that's, that's a phrase that's all over Kelvin's website. So I w- you, if you two, uh, you know, you especially, Brian, because you're you know you're here you're here as our guest. We want to hear your story, but um, Kelvin, also, if you two will riff on on what that means and how you get it, uh, you know, yeah. I want to I want to hear that conversation.
2: <laughs> for for me, when I think positive mental attitude, it is all about reframing your thoughts. So you wake up and let me try to think of a good a good example that would maybe be a modern-day example. But you wake up and you just, you know, you don't feel that you got it in you, right? You don't want to go to work. You don't want to deal with the kids. You don't want to deal with your spouse, whatever the case may be. If you sit there and you stew on what you don't want, well, you're going to get more of what you don't want. You're going to go down that rabbit hole. But if you can reframe your thought and you wake up and you say, oh man, today I got to go out and I got to mow the grass and it's been raining. You know, my grass out here is probably over my ankle right now because all we've had is rain and it's not an easy lawn to mow. But if I think of it in a different way, well, my yard's going to look nice once I'm done, I'm going to get my exercise, right? My doctor's always telling me I need to get my steps in. So if I push mow, I'm going to get, for me, it's all about reframing your thoughts and finding the good in the bad. And, um, at least that's for me, and I and I feel like once you do that, once you start really reframing the way you think of something that that, that, that you have a negative uh, approach to, if you can find the positive in it, it just then generally Pretty soon, it's like practicing a sport, right? You exercise that muscle, and then pretty soon, it's it becomes um, just a part of your day, just a part of your routine and what you do, and and, and so for me, that's. I think, the crux of positive mental attitude.
1: And for me, I mean, I I learned, I started hanging around with people who thought positively. The thing is, when you start thinking positively, you start thinking of possibilities, Mm -hmm. not liabilities. You know, what is possible in the world? And I mean, when you look at the stuff around us, when you look at the technology, when you look at, I mean, there's people around who, who have no limbs, but they're running, you know, they're running marathons. What is possible in the world? And having a a positive uh, mental attitude means more if you look for a way one will show up. I mean, if you just believe it's possible to get out of it, it is amazing things what I'm a big law of attraction guy, so every time something crazy happens to me, I'm going to go like, yeah, I know what I was programmed for for that. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you know, you 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 magnetize into your life what you're holding in your thoughts. Illusions, Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah, best book on the planet. That's me. So, I like to help people think of what could happen. Now, does it ha- happen all at once? No. Um, are you going to walk down the street and somebody's going to drop a couple mil in your pocket? No, most likely <laughs> not. But you know, you may meet that person who's looking for someone that can do something you can do and you can end up with a purpose. Um, yeah. You can help someone else. When, when it, whenever I can help someone else feel good about the fact that you're just still breathing. It works for me. I'm good with that. And because, you know, goodness knows, I, I don't know. I used to have some tough times, never, never the type of, uh, of life you've described for you earlier on. Um, although my father was a minister, so I had some tough days, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but um, I, I put out a meme last week. I didn't, I mean, I didn't do it. I found it. It says, a negative mind cannot bring you a positive life. Yeah. So unless you can think in that direction, I mean, and even if you're thinking of, you know, I'm going to find somebody soon who's going to be able to help me with this. You know, I'm going to look because there's positive people around. Now, some of them just talk and other ones will stop and listen and, and see what's going on with you. And all you need what is it? Who is it? Um, uh Coach Wooden. Never let what you can't do interfere with what you can do. That's one of my yeah. biggest. It's one of my biggest things. So when you can do a little bit, it will breed more good. So that's what positivity means to me. It's not like oh, I'm going to wave my hands and everything's going to be better, but it's going to get better. Marie Forleo. Everything is figure outable, right? Right. Yeah. So that I mean that's me. So. No,
2: I, I agree. I mean, I think, you know, what what you said, it, it flows a lot into my um, my thoughts of it as well. It, it, I, you know, with the law of attraction, you had mentioned that. And I do believe in it. I, I don't necessarily believe in it in the way that it's presented on shows like The Secret or anything like that or books mm-hmm. like The Secret. Right. But I do truly believe that if you just, um, like you said, you get up with, you put it in your head that, hey, I'm going to find the good and the bad, even as if it's just a small, tiny bit, um, you just begin. you know, you exercise that muscle, that brain muscle, and it it becomes a part of your day. And yeah, there's like limitless possibilities of what could happen. If you just approach the life's challenges in, in, in the right, with the right mindset, Even if it's hard to do, because I, I know it's hard, you know, some people say, well, you know, you could just sit there and, and and tell yourself over and over again that you're happy. You're happy. Well, OK, I've tried that in the past and it didn't work. But what did work <laughs> is when I woke up and said, OK, this this whole I am happy uh, incantation or whatever is not working. Um, let me you know, I remember a day when I was, you know, after I started speaking and I was getting comfortable around people again I got to work, uh, my nine to five job. And instead of walking in the door with my head down and looking at the ground, I said, I'm going to look at people. I'm gonna say hello, even though I don't know them. And, and so I did that one day and I, I just, I had my head up and I was like, hi, good morning. Hey, you know, and man, when I got in the building, I'm like, I feel good. <laughs> like just that <laughs> little bit of, uh, getting outside of my comfort zone, and interacting with people. I was like, man, I feel pretty good. And, you know, the rest of the day was a great day because I made a decision to do something that was hard
1: for me. Yeah. And a lot of people are walking across that same parking lot, scared to say hi to somebody because they don't know what they're going to get. So um yeah, I, I, I do it most around Christmas, but every, you know, just speaking to people for no reason, which because, you know, around the big holidays, you have permission to talk to people you don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it's, it's a holiday. Right. You know, how you doing? Have a great day. And, and it, it works and it makes it does. It makes me feel better because I got outside of me at the time. And those times, you know, if somebody doesn't say anything back, I, I know, well, they probably got more on their mind than I got on mine. So yeah. I'm going to let them go. But at least they know somebody wanted to give them, uh, you, know, you know, random act of kindnesses to like uh, Josh and I were both in a group called the uh, uh, MKMMA, Master Key Mastermind Alliance. And one of the things they did when I went through that course, they started talking about random acts of kindness, stuff like going to the supermarket And if you see an old lady or or a woman with kids or something like that, and you're walking past their vehicle and they got a choice between putting their kid in the car and taking the cart back, right? When they first told me about that, I said, that makes, I mean, that is just one of the most ludicrous things I've ever heard. And, And a couple of days later, I was going in the store and this lady was just putting this precious little thing in the car. And I said, ma'am, you want me to take that back for you? She's like, you would think I'd have gave her money. <laughs> and, and I do that now. Older people who were, I mean, this woman, I mean, she probably had a hard time walking the cart to her car in the first place. Would you would you like me to do, deliver that for you? Yes, I'll do that. I did it one day and the lady says, oh, and it is good. I cleaned it off with that, with that alcohol stuff so you don't have to wipe it down. You can just use it. So she felt good. I'm like, well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah. So just a little stuff like that can make a big difference in somebody's life. And when you just speak to, you don't have to stop, you know, if you can manage to look at them, say, hello, hope you're having a great day. You just kind of validated them. There was a
2: uh, a quote that I learned in the gym, in the boxing gym that, I and I don't, I don't know who to attribute it to because I can't remember who said it originally, but it makes so much sense when you think about it in the grand scheme of life. Mm-hmm. So somebody said, I don't fear the man that has been boxing or has, has uh, been boxing and uh, training for a year. I fear the man that has been training on his jab for a year. And I'm butchering the quote. It's much yes. better than that. But basically the contention is if, if you just start small and you just mm-hmm. practice 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 mm-hmm. like with a jab in boxing you just I mean pretty soon uh heck I, I worked out with a guy he knocked a guy out with this jab because he just practiced it over and over again instead of trying to get it all accomplished at one time just focus on little aspects and eventually that's going to craft your 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 mental game to whatever that is you're doing whether it's boxing studying whatever you just got to take the you just got to practice over and over again with the small things and just
1: keep adding to your repertoire all the time josh did that answer your question
0: yes it does i just wanted to to listen to you guys talk about
1: (laughs) (laughs) positivity oh Yeah. yeah
2: yeah Being positive doesn't mean you have to wake up every. I mean, there's days I still wake up and I'm like, eh, you know, it's just a matter of not staying in that. That I still have oh, bad yeah. days, but you know, it's it, you don't have to stay
1: in that. That I, I generally wake up in at least a high neutral. You know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just to go, just to go from there. And then if I have a chance to make somebody feel good, I I do a daily, uh, motivational thing, and so. I have an opportunity each day for someone to to write me back after receiving this and go, hey, um, really like what you had to say this morning. Thank you. They helped me a lot. And it's like, OK, I'm good for the day. <laughs> Sometimes I'm good for the week um, yeah. just because it, it, it really doesn't take a lot of them. One, if I can help one person feel better about today, I win. Yeah. For me. No, I agree. So. Yeah. So that's it.
0: Brian, how, how is it being in your head now? How, how is
2: it today? Uh, I mean, it, it's a lot different today. Uh, if you would known me in my, you know, any, any time before the age of 44, uh, I was shy, very standoffish, uh, very quiet. A lot of people interpreted that as I didn't care. Uh, I didn't, I wasn't friendly, things like that. But today I'm much more... I'm still an introvert. I still like my alone time, but I'm very I'm much more extroverted. I am comfortable speaking with people. I can start a random conversation and and not feel awkward. Uh and when I have those bad days instead of dwelling in it or running from it and trying to hide from whatever that negative emotion is, I just face it head on. Just, you know, like I would <laughs> in the boxing ring, right? You got your opponent that's standing out. My opponent's not physical, it's mental. And so I just, I if I'm having a bad day and I catch myself having a bad day or having bad thoughts, um, negative thoughts, it's like, okay, I need to reframe it. You know, what? what is this, you know, what is the good that can come from this if I let it? And so that's my approach to every day is just to wake up and be willing to see things in a different perspective. And, and, and and that, I mean, that's, you know, kind of like Kelvin said, I mean, that once you get that mindset to where, you know, you're focusing on the good, it's just, man, uh, just opportunities open up like you wouldn't believe. And, and then you feel better because it's like, oh man, I didn't, you know, I didn't know I had that in me or, oh, I didn't know that opportunity was going to come my way. And, and so it's, you know, my day, every, you know, every day I wake up, I just, I try to be, uh, I know gratitude's thrown out there a lot and it's talked about, but I, I, I truly am grateful for what I have. And I've also found gratitude in the times that I struggle and suffer because I know that something good can come from it if I'm willing to let it, you know, and I'm willing to work for it.
1: I like the part about if I let it. Because a lot of us, um, well, a lot of people, I mean, they don't let it. They don't want to believe it. Um, sometimes it's easier to feel uh, bad than it is to, to seek to feel good. It doesn't take near as much work to stay down as it does to actually get up. So, you know, the path of least resistance is not always the best way, the best way to go. So I... Uh, like I said, I wake up at a high neutral. Um, I don't get up singing and, and shouting and stuff. But you know, <laughs> I don't worry about much. I get up, I look out the window, see what the weather is going to be like, and I go like, okay, that's what he got to work with today. I complain every once in a while, but basically, no. I I like the things that you have said. I I would say I'm I'm sorry for what you've gone through, except. The contribution you were able to give right now
2: yeah.
1: is huge. And someone like me, I'm a positive guy, but you've been through a whole different experience. I can't relate to the experience per se that you've gone through. I can't coach from that point, except intellectually.
2: Right.
1: You have bona fide life experience you can speak from that I can never touch. I can get most people on a lot of stuff, but. Yeah. You come you come from a place I've never been, so you can speak much more authoritatively.
2: Yeah. And I used to, you know, I used to be like, oh, why did this happen? And, you know, I used to be downright pissed off about it. But um, as I've grown and especially over the last you know few years, it's yeah, I mean it happened to me. I can't change the past. Would I have loved to grown up in a different environment? Yeah, I guess there's a part of me that would, but then at the same time I've met a lot of good people just through podcasts, whether, you know, I, it's my podcast or somebody else's or, or I, you know, uh, in the hospital facility. I mean, you, you I, I would have never met these people had those things not happened to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, those little blessings that everybody brings um, into your life. It's like, well, you know, if everything would have been great and would have had them, you know grew up in a rich family that was loving and all that, which it would have been a great life, I guess. But what are you missing out on? You know, if everything's given to you, if everything is just that you wake up and and there's nothing wrong with your day, which I can't imagine anybody (laughs) lives like that. But if there is somebody out there that just wakes up and every day it's kittens and rainbows, then um, I think they're missing out. I mean, honestly, yeah, I think, I think they're missing out on the good stuff. Um, I'm
1: gonna bear that in mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. bear that
2: in
1: mind.
0: Well, I think the two don't live together very well. You know, the everything handed to you, everything, you know, perfect. And and as an adult in the world, having a clear Positive mind. I, I don't think I don't think they're compatible. You, you know, I think you have to. I think you have to suffer a little. I think you have to meet challenges and beat challenges in order to find some fulfillment.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's man. Everything we deal with. I mean, that's that builds up character, right? You, you've heard that, you know. You buy an old farmhouse, right? And it's it's got some beat up walls and. Uh, the hardwood floors are worn out. And what does the realtor tell you? This house has got character. And yeah, okay, it does.
1: Absolutely.
2: It's been through a lot. And I've got character. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I look at it. <laughs> yeah, and your street value was really high, I got to say. <laughs> my, my floors may be a little creaky and my walls may need some patching, but my golly. <laughs> awesome. All right,
0: well. Thanks so much for being here. You've got your podcast and your coaching. Uh, you will have a link to the website and everything. Where do you hang out on social? I
2: mean, uh, I'm able to find you? Yeah, I'm getting better at being um uh social, being getting better at being on social. But uh, uh, Brian's lore, just my name. You can find me on Instagram. Um, I have Conquering Everest podcast Facebook page. So Facebook dot com slash Conquering Everest podcast um of course my website conquering dot com um is you can find links to reach out to me directly or listen to the podcast um and where else am I at Twitter just my name again Brian Talor uh, there on Twitter so uh not you know i'm there i'm active anybody can reach out to me if they want to um i will respond uh, i'm not really good about making new posts every day but <laughs> i'm there we
0: are both right there with you
2: yeah i'm, I'm <laughs> getting better i'm figuring it out absolutely
0: but. is there anything that we didn't get to that you had hoped talked about today
2: uh, no, I mean, I think it was a really good conversation and I just appreciate the opportunity to share my story out there a little bit. And, and you know, if there's, uh, like I said, if anybody's out there listening that, that, that is feeling, you know, feeling like they're coming, they, they fit a wall and they can't, you know, can't go any farther. And especially if they're feeling like, you know, they, they're, they're debating whether or not they, they need to be uh, breathing um, I would say, you know, like I said, you're you're not alone and there's a lot of good people out there that want to be in your corner and want to help you. Um, It's just about getting the right people around you and then being willing to do the hard things to feel better. All right. Well,
0: thanks so much for being here. And you have a great rest of your day. We'll uh, shoot you an email
2: when this is up. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care of yourself. Bye.
0: jkwdpodcast.com don't forget to subscribe leave a review and share with your friends and we will see you next week bye a better humanhood production